Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. In the words of the 20th century philosopher and poet, Harry Barry, we've taken our team into Europe. Yes, we have. Oh, yes, we have. And to celebrate that fact with me tonight, I've got the ever-reliable, in the fact that he's always here, uh, Martin Glynis. How are you doing, Richard? Um, not often we shout out Harry Barry on here, and I'm all for it. <laughs> Cumbernauld's finest. And uh, also with us is Martin Ingram. Now, Martin, I think you joined this podcast around about the time that Barry Robson uh, was just kicking off his Don's career. It's been You've had quite a decent run of it, haven't you? I'm certainly not complaining right now. Um I, I, I thought where you might be leading with that is you, you, you joined the podcast at the time that Aberdeen suddenly had this fantastic uh, turn in fortune. And, well, indeed, that's, and where, that's where, where I was going with it. And and, and so I'll, I'll accept the thanks of the dandies for... As you should. I mean, clearly... <laughs> you're, you're responsible. I mean, we no, kicked I think we off this... joint credit on this. I no, mean, no, I mean, we've already done our bit back in 2015. I think we won eight straight league games when we first started doing the podcast, and we were still whinging after every game <laughs> at that point. So, yeah, we just needed to, to resettle on a fixed format, and we started winning every week now. Um, so, yeah, thank us, dandies, thank us. Uh, d- straight away to last night, St Mirren. It was not quite do or die, but... Um, it was really important that we won last night, given the situation in the league, um, and we did. We did win last night. Really strong performance, night and day to really what we'd seen in the last couple of weeks. Some key players back, McCrory, Lopez, and obviously Graham Shinney back with a point to prove after four games out and boy did he make that point but we'll come on to that later because we'll go through things in chronological order it was a really rather circumspect start and I think perhaps again the atmosphere within the ground itself being affected by the fact that everyone knew there was a goal at Ibrox in the first minute and that put a bit of fear I think into to everybody not necessarily the players but it was a slow start and it's just one misplaced pass, one bit of old-fashioned Johnny Hayes just running straight at a defence. One foul, one free kick in a very nice position. And uh, Mark Clunas say, Leighton Clarkson, moment to savour. Oh, absolutely, you know, we're going to... I think I feel like we're you know, for whatever the hour we're going to be doing this or however long it is, we're going to be salivating over Leighton Clarkson. Um, so I'll try, and, I'll try and temper myself for now. Um, but... Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, just a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a, a kind of you know, nervy start. Like, see, you know, that goal, you know, the news of that goal puts pressure on us. Um, but you know, I thought we, I thought we kind of we did okay after after five or six minutes. I thought we're we're, we're doing okay and we're we're almost kind of controlling the game, you know. Um, and then Clarkson does, you know, again, you know, he's he's done it already this season. You know, just knocks a lovely free, lovely free kick in, and from then on, we really, we really are in are, are in almost complete control. Uh, just, but it just, what, what, what's it you call it? It's clutch moments. It's these things where when you need players, when you need your your most talented players to step up, that's what you're relying on. As you say, Johnny Hayes again, you know, doing what he does, you know, getting forward, run at defenders, putting the fear into them. So, no, and we know you get that foul, and then what 
what we needed 15 minutes in is just to get that get our our own early goal um, because I would like to think that you know there would have been Hearts fans sitting in Ibrox you know, with the phones worrying about our result and they rightly they should have ha 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 um, they would have been they would have been li- they would have been listening they'd have been following the game and you know, put pressure put pressure on Hearts as well because Hearts would have known we got to win this game and they would have been worrying about worrying about our result but all we had to do was take care of our own business uh, and do you get you get a goal within the first you no know, 15 20 minutes it just sets things at ease around the stadium you could feel it was just a more relaxed atmosphere and um, i think you know that you could sense it from the stands there was a there was a belief there because you saw in that opening spell you know once you know, up until the goal and then after that you know the team were playing with a real sense of belief the players that were back obviously um everybody Everybody knows what they can bring. Graham Shinney was excellent. You know, just talk, a man with a man with a real point to prove. A captain's performance from him. Uh, you know, Lopez. You know, I thought Lopez was was very good without being without being you know with really excelling. But I thought he was very good. Um, and McCrory as well. I thought he had a, a very good game and just best our best possible eleven on the pitch. And it showed that we just we absolutely dominated St Mirren even and even without that red card. I think we would have comfortably run out winners in that game. Well, let's move on to the red card because that was not that long after the first goal and it it really did help to cement our position. First of all, uh, Martin Ingram, a really nasty looking challenge. A really nasty looking challenge from where I saw it when it happened and... um... First of all, I felt I, I don't you never know whether this would have changed significantly the mentality of the St. Mirren players, but a real bugbear of mine is where the the referee uh, basically isn't getting a grip on a game very, very early on because right from the off, St. Mirren players were making really niggly fouls. They were looking to put their marker on players whenever they had the ball. Basically, if there's no effort by the referee to curb that from the very beginning, then I, I always feel that kind of just, you know, it, it, it allows players, because like the, fir- the first goal was a good example, just a completely cynical uh, check on Johnny Hayes when he's running through on goal, and we get the free kick, and obviously we get the goal as a result of that, so we get our reward from that, but a totally cynical foul, and yet the referee just allows play it on in that circumstance and I think the the more that your opposition realises that you can get away with that the more they, they perhaps look to chance and anyway it resulted in what was yeah abs- absolutely horrendous challenge on Boyan Wojewski. Um I was looking at it so I, I, I sit in the south stand and I had a pretty clear line all the way down from it um, and it looked I think it's, it's maybe easy easy to say with hindsight, given that we've now seen the replays and how bad it really was, but it looked a red card foul to me the first time I saw it. He, the, the, the player's come in late, he's had his stud up, taking Mojowski out at the ankle, and you could tell from Boyan's reaction immediately, he immediately had his arm up and was signalling for assistance. So you knew it was really, really serious. So it wasn't one of those things where you might think a player might be trying to make the most of something. It was clear he he contact had been made and it was really, really serious. And maybe maybe look at it from the point of view of this is what 
VAR is supposed to be there for when it is working properly is to rectify a clear and obvious mistake uh, where it hasn't been picked up on, on the field. And so fortunately, it was picked up in that circumstance. In fairness, Robertson goes along to have a look at that on the screen and I think he pretty much instantly knew that that was a red card offence within a few seconds looking at it. But from my perspective, Don Robertson had a pretty good view of that challenge and it was pretty clear it was late. There was studs up and he's made contact with the leg, the ankle. If that doesn't constitute uh, serious foul play, then I don't know what else does. And and I don't know if there's a reluctance with referees to make those decisions, knowing that VAR's there to back them up, but... If they're if they're not going to make decisions on in situations like that, then when are they ever going to do that? But yeah, I I, I feel that I, I that was a consequence of a referee that was being far too lenient with challenges for the the beginning of the for the, the beginning of the match, and then the the result was something like that. Now, fortunately, Miowski was on social media pretty quickly afterwards, confirming that. He'd been to get the, the the his leg checked out. It's it's not it's not a broken ankle. It's just limited ligament damages. I mean, I say just ligament damage. If 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 there is more than superficial, can be troubling in its own way. But at least it's not nearly as serious as we thought it was. So we'll we'll, we'll just wish him a swift recovery. Uh, yeah, the one thing I did notice in the aftermath of the first goal was actually Graham Shinney getting in the ear of the referee, saying, you know, why wasn't that? A booking while was you know really nipping at him in a way that I suppose you want your captain to do and I suppose in a way that we haven't had for the last four games um it did take a little while there were all night I think um there were some challenges which other referees would have been deeming yellow cards which uh did not get that treatment um Alex Gogic throughout the second half was a very lucky man to stay in the park um but no hopefully Boyan Miofsky is um not out longer term. Ligament damage could uh, definitely be a troublesome one. And he does have um, a big international date next month as well, which it's uh, really sad if he's going to have to miss out on that one at uh, Old Trafford against England. Um, so, St. Myrna down at 10 men. We're a goal up. It's a good position. You know, I wouldn't say we start to overrun them, but um, certainly they're four years up the park and it's Probably a good point to to note. Uh, another smart stop by Kellerus. Um, in between the first goal and the red card, um, tipping over the header from Gogic. Again, I see if you'd expect him to make, but he's smart and he's alert and he's he's um, deals with it well. Um, but the second goal, Marley Watkins comes on to replace Mayovsky and I wasn't I you know I wasn't overly concerned about that I thought um, Watkins Watkins has shown up pretty well at um, Tynecastle on Saturday I think he's a clever footballer and um, you know I think it's that second goal speaks to a lot of what Watkins can do really well in terms of being able to link up and uh, move the ball about the park it was a nice bit of play leading up to it as well Martin Clunes wasn't it uh, McCrory takes a high ball down very nicely. Ramadani plays a really nice ball through to Watkins, who, who does well to engineer the space and get it over. A little bit of luck, clearly, with the deflection onto the goalkeeper. And, well, it's your captain that's uh, the one that's making sure he beats everybody else to the loose ball. 
Yeah, that's that's what that's what you want, you know. Like again, you know, you put you know Park Carson, he, he kind of palms it away, um, and there's someone, you know, there's someone waiting there at pounds. That's what we need. That's the advantage, I suppose, that comes from them being down, them being down to ten men as well. That you know, when you're in that type of positions, you can you can pull them away, you can drag them, out, you can drag them out of position, you can expose them a bit. But it was, you're right, it was a it was a lovely bit of football leading up to it. Um, and there was there was a lot of that in the game where we we know we once we got the con- con- proper control of the game and yeah they did they, they did have some chance to be fair to them. Keller Roos had a re- had a good game. You know, made a couple of really good saves in the game, saves that we've we've come to expect him just to make. Um, I think as well. You know, the, the particular the the one you mentioned there, he should be making it. But you know we've just been we've realised over the past you know few months that we've actually got a pretty good goalkeeper on our hands. Um, Happy to put my hands up and admit I was completely wrong about him at the start of the season. Yeah, let, yeah. let's both have a talk about that because um, I thought first half of the season, I, I think he has weaknesses. And I think as well that the players that came in, the defenders that came in in January and also the way we're playing now help to address and minimise those weaknesses as well. You've got Pollock and McDonald who are aggressive and good in the air. And that's something that Roos wasn't doing. He wasn't being particularly commanding of his area, of his box. He also, for all the pre-publicity about him when he signed, he wasn't great with the ball at his feet. And if we were trying to do anything other than just really play it short to the centre-halves, it was he was struggling with that. Even with some of the longer kicks, they're going straight out of play. But that matters less when you're being a bit more direct like Robson likes to play. Um, so I think it's been a combination of things. I think he, he has been much more solid since he came back since his injury. But also that you've got a defence in front of him, which is not just working harder and generally being better, but almost directly um, addresses the, the weaknesses that your keeper has demonstrated in the first six months. Yeah, you, you work you work with, to their strengths. Uh, it's, it's, it's basically, it really is that simple, you know I mean? Don't want to hark on about it, but you know, some a, a man, a man not too long ago when he was in charge of the football club said fixing the offence was easy. Now, who and was what, that? Ah, it's, you know, some some guy. I don't, don't think he's going to be working for very long, to be honest. I think he might be. I think he might be down the job centre next week, maybe Monday morning. Um, <laughs> but you know, you just you play you play to people's strengths, and he clearly no, he clearly wasn't. You know, Anthony Stewart was captain at the point. Where I don't think we're playing to any 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 of his strengths as well. Um, but whereas you now got McDonald, you now got Pollock there. Um, you know, they aren't going to be the type of no. I don't think they're going to be ball ball playing centre halves. So are going to want to take the ball and spray it about spray it about and go on mazy runs forward. Maybe once or twice they will, but they're not going to be doing that sort of thing. And so I think when you've got a, a unit of uh, of the three of them. Who who seem to be blending very well, you're we're we're totally reaping the benefit benefits from that, um, and you know the 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 player that we've that we're seeing from Kelrus now, um, compared to the first half of the season is it's really it's it's a stark difference. Um, he looks he looks so much more confident, um, and you know it's just a case of you know you work out what does he do well, and like okay right that's let's you know have him doing this that's not try and put him under pressure if your keeper isn't you know isn't confident doing certain things don't put him in these positions as much if you can can avoid it and you know we weren't doing that in the first six months of the season barry robson's came in got the got the interim job it was at the time we've seen a change where we're a little more i say a little more direct um, and 
it's been completely different. And when we went on, you know, once we'd found our feet with the first couple, first couple of games, we went on that really good run of wins. Um, and it's, you know, it is, you know, if you keep it simple, think, you know, you can reap the benefits you know, relatively easily, I think. Uh, but to, I've, side, I've sidetracked you there, Martin, not sidelined you, if only. Uh, I sidetracked you <laughs> um, because um, I did want to talk about the goal, Shinny's impact in particular, just that drive from midfield, that determination to get into the box, first of all, and get on the end of the header. Yeah, um, like, like I say, played, you know, he played the whole game like a man possessed. And I don't mean that in the way of saying being out of control. I mean, though, that was a man who had a point to prove, clearly pissed off that he'd been missing for four games, wanted to come back, you know, had, had a mission the last night of, you know, we win this game, Get the team, get the team into into Europe, and I honestly thought he was. I thought he was excellent last night. Just, I know we we said a lot on here about you no, know, does it really matter who the captain is and all that sort of stuff? But you no, know, if you no, know, that is a kind of that is a captain's performance where yeah. you're getting at the getting at the referee, niggling at the referee, just you no, know, letting him know you're you no, know, you're not happy with him. You know, maybe in other earlier parts of the season, you no, know, we wouldn't have been there. We wouldn't have had someone who'd be making that sort of driving runs forward. Yeah, I'm not sure that captains matter, but I do think that leaders matter on the park, Martin Ingram, and um, we'd maybe been lacking that in other, with McCrory out as well, in particular. Um, Shinny certainly came back and filled that void last night. Yeah, I, I, I spoke about that last podcast when we were in a situation, and I, I, I do agree, I mean, the, the, the who happens to have the captain's armband on is, you know, who gets to... I mean, we get to look forward to European football next season. Who gets to hand over the pennants, the the, the, the pre-match part? You know, it doesn't really matter, but it's exactly what you say, Richard. Who, what, who do you have leading you in the pitch? And it doesn't necessarily only have to be the one person. I think ideally you want a team in the pitch where you have a number of leaders across the, 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 the pitch that will be able to do that. But I think it was telling uh, in the last match against Hearts when... You know, Shinny had already not been available for a while, but Crory was out. And as I say, the, 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 the armband starting out with Johnny Hayes, who I don't think is a natural leader. I mean, he's, he's a leader by action, certainly, in relation to, you know, when he's on when, when he's on form, his, his, ener- his energy and, and, and the way he goes about his business is there's leadership in that. But I don't think he, I don't necessarily think he's a captain in that regard. And of course, when the armband went from him to Ramadani, I think... The two players that I really think about where that where, where where you can tell that difference between the difference between leaders and, and not is himself and Liam Scales. They are two players that in the absence of players beside them with real leadership qualities to drive teams forward, um, they they end up seeming really lost and, and, and the, the the good thing about being able to bring Shinny in at the very forefront of that is that it takes that responsibility away from Someone, you know, again, effectively, Leighton Clarkson gets to focus on playing his game. Ramadani, I think, ended up playing a lot, a lot better than 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 when he had maybe that expectation to try and maybe provide that leadership, which he's maybe not able to do quite so naturally. Um, so yeah, absolutely vital to have leaders on the pitch, and yeah, Shaney was back, McCrory was back, um, and again, I think you know, you, you, you saw that. The, the effect that I had right across the pitch and and the effect in turn that that has with the support i mean the we i, I think i think this the 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 there's a symbiotic relationship in that where you could tell like a match with like the home game with hibs where you can have an absolutely full crowd and everybody's 
willing and ready to go. But if if the performance and the attitude isn't right from the beginning, Hart, Hibbs came out in that particular game, dominated the game from the beginning, and then of course you know the nerves start creeping in, and it, you know it seeps through to support. What was most important is that we were at it early in the game, and I think Shinny was key in relation to that driving force as he getting getting in the ear of the referee, making making it known he had a really good post match interview. We was talking about that was a that was he was it was a very deliberate aspect that he was really wanting to take out those kind of three to four weeks on 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 this game, and and he he, he acknowledged that you know his him him missed the hardest thing from missing those games is not being in a position to be able to influence teammates and, and have that impact. And you really, you really, really did make that impact. And once you're on the front foot, you get the support behind, you get the goal that then just proves thing as well. The standing off happens and, and really you just get that snowball effect. And I think even for the most seriously pessimistic supporters amongst us, um, the confidence just grew and grew and grew, and obviously, I mean, you'd say by the time that sending off went off, but by the time that Shinny scored the goal, it put us two 0 up. I don't think we ever looked back. No, and listen, it's um, we're proudly not in the know whatsoever, but it's the worst keep worst kept secret around Petardry. Graham Shinny will be signing permanently this summer. How big a deal is that, Martin Ingram? Where I from where I stand, I think. A lot of the importance actually is, um, you know, I think we've done the last two seasons and we've almost started those seasons with a sort of money ball approach. And I think it's reinforced the need to have players that, and managers to an extent, but certainly players that understand this league and understand what really makes this club tick. And I think Graham Shinney really does that. Well, it ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't it? Um, we've We've already just spoken about the leadership qualities. Um, again, you can talk a lot about leadership and desire and drive. One of the one of the things we're not talking about is just a, he's just a fucking good footballer. Um, that that's underrated as well. Um, yeah, but he is he is a good footballer who is really really suited to this league as well. Yeah, his skill sets are really really well suited to the the sort of games that we have in this division. I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I think absolutely central that you can. It is night and day the kind of leadership he's brought as, and again as a direct contrast to say when we were when we were, when 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 we were pre Barry Robson, Anthony Stewart. I really don't want to be too critical because I've probably done that in a number of times beforehand. But and hey, um, he's coming back next summer, so <laughs> yeah, that's 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 going to be awkward, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but but you know the the things go hand in hand. Is that you know one of the things I think you need to be to be to be the captain and the leader in the pitches, you have to be good. A, le- a level, a, you know, you have to be playing regularly at that kind of intensity and having that kind of impact that brings the rest of the team along with you. And I think, um, I don't think Anthony Stewart had necessarily the ability, or at least wasn't able to perform in the way that Jim Goodwin was wanting to try him to play and within, within the system that he was trying to persevere with. Um, but when 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 you sorted out those key kind of players, and again, we know Angus McDonald's coming back in central defence. Kellerus will be here next season, um, un- unless there's big money coming in from elsewhere. We will hopefully still have Miowski and Duke up front, and that's a, that's a spine of a team. There's still there's still an awful lot of work to be done in the off season because a lot a lot of the other players um, that are regularly involved in our team they are still players who are on loan. 
um, really encouraging the, the sounds that are coming out that Leighton Clarkson might well come back for another season for us, but we still have to work out what's going on. With I, I got the feeling from Matty Pollock did kind of hang on a bit longer and gave his uh, gave some very thorough waves goodbye. So I, I get the feeling that might not transpire. Liam Scales might not be coming back. So it's so important that you get these players who, again, we know going years, years, years and years and years back, Graham Machine has proven himself at this level over many, many, many seasons. Um, but not only does he know the league, but he knows this club as well. Um, the, the the rapport that he has with the Don's support is just fantastic, and I think just for all of those reasons, he, he ticks all of those boxes. And when you and when when you've sorted your 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 team out in that in terms of that spine, I think that's far more important because then you can start your your, your close season isn't just starting from scratch. Maybe in the way that we've had to do for the last couple of seasons, you at least know you've got this core of players that you can then build upon, and and you have a system and a style of play that you're trying to. You know, you then know you're identifying a type of player that you want to be involved in that, rather than let's just go outside half dozen wingers and then hope that it works out. Um, in terms of the atmosphere, yeah, it was building and building, Martin Clunas, but there was still a handbrake on. I thought until just before half time, news filters three for my Brooks. Yeah, that's a that's a weird feeling that I don't want to ever have to experience again, eh? Um, <laughs> You know, obviously the news com- news comes through um, that you know, they've e- they've equalised, um, and it, and it you know, just it just changes like the atmosphere just goes up. You know, there's little pockets of the ground. There was a guy sitting right behind us who I think might have been watching it on his phone or something. Must have had like bet bet three six five or something with the live updates because um, you know you, you you're hearing bits and bobs and obviously like I say the pockets of the stadium start reacting and it does it changes it. You know, it, everybody everybody's up for it a b- little bit more. Um, I think when that sort of thing happens, you know, I, I don't know how much you know you could say like that whole idea of it translating onto the pitch, but obviously a loud vocal crowd, you know, it does, you know, it does, you know, maybe give that the players that little bit more impetus, a little bit more encouragement, um, and that you know that when that happens, you know, it just it just changes changes the mood around the stadium, because you know, you know, we needed to win, we needed to do our business, and we were doing that. Um, getting the favour from them, you know. While I would never say I was never say I was happy that they'd scored, um, I definitely wasn't disappointed. Yeah, yeah, and we'll be swapping out our blue and white scars for green and white scars for next Saturday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the third goal start of the second half, Martin Ingram. It's uh, that kills our game. It means that. Really, we're just waiting on events at Ibrox, and it's a nice goal. It's a really well worked goal, and it's uh, both of your um, sort of so-called defensive midfielders getting forward, supporting the attack, and contributing. Yeah, and to come back, you've got to give credit to Barry Robson because again, this is the one thing that we were, we were. It was the first game after really Graham's Chinese suspension that we were able to get back to what I think was the preferred set up of playing not not just having that kind of five man midfield or at least a central mid three in the two wingers but but he made that very deliberate move to be getting shinny and ramadani pushing forward in a way that ramadani in particular wasn't being asked to do under goodwin he was he was he was wanting him to drop back and play in the pivot and almost almost quarterback from the back um and again it just showed you i mean obviously in terms of shinny getting two goals um and being given the license to go and you know 
push himself in the box and, and drive forward. I mean, again, I, when I caught when, in, in, in one of his post-match interviews, I think he was saying that, you know, he would have loved to get a hat-trick, but he just didn't have the legs by the end of the game because that's what he'd been doing the whole match was, you know, real real box-to-box stuff, you know, getting getting back and contributing in defence, but also being willing to push in the box and make himself available. So credit to both him and Ramadani for, for doing that. I'll, I'll be honest, the, the, the cross ball in, the, the cross in the box could have been better because he got it... I think there was two players in. I can't remember who else was. Must have been maybe Watkins, but um, um, he's kind of cut it back behind both of the onrushing players. But Shinny, at least, and again, it's it's maybe an advantage when you, you, the opposition is down to ten men and they don't have they maybe don't have this, that kind of additional defender that's available to, to to cover that. But he had time just to go back and get the ball, um, drag drag his weaker right boot across it, and um, I don't know if it's a brilliant strike, but it was a good enough strike to get it past the goalkeeper, and then. Um, that sequence, he scores the goal. He he he, he then goes to the goes to the corner between the, the the south stand and the and the red shed to go and celebrate. And I think in terms of just there have been a few really really fantastic moments. Just just as a support, you know, you just take the football out of it. Just as a supporter of taking in the experience, I'd have said um, Duke's goal at Tannadice was one where it was not just a brilliant goal, but just the the atmosphere in in the stand was just incredible. But that that might have topped it off. I think that was the realization where you know we've 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 definitely taken care of our own business. And and in relation to when you were talking about the result with Rangers uh, and, and and Hearts, I mean, I, I kind of went into that. I really. While, while again, I, I, I often contradict myself on that because I obviously still want to know what's going on at Ibrox and whether what we've done is enough to actually win on the day. But I said to my friend when he was at the game is that we, we just have to take care of business at home. If, if, if in the last two games of the season, Hearts managed to win at Ibrox and win the Edinburgh Derby, you'd probably have to. And again, we, we, we've done it before. If we'd still, and that's why I said at the time, last time round when we were waiting on other results to happen, it's, yeah, still, yeah. In, it's still in I our hands. I completely get that. But you can't deny that generally the, the within the stadium as a whole, the atmosphere ramped up a few notches when news of the equaliser came through. Obviously, again, early second half, I- I, I don't before. know. I, there, there, there is and there isn't. I really don't know. If we're, if we're trying to say it made any difference to whether we won the game. No, no. I'm just, not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the atmosphere within the ground still had a little handbrake on when people in the stadium knew Aberdeen might be winning 2-0, but Hearts were still winning. And I think it only really began to cut loose properly once we knew that the result was the sort of result that we were looking for. Speak for yourself, Richard. It only cut loose for me properly when the final result got confirmed a few minutes after. I take nothing <laughs> well, for granted. Listen, and, and... listen. This is not. We're not cut loose, cut loose yet. Because let's be clear. Um, uh, I don't want to go all Jimmy Reed on the shipyards on you. And there's a reference for the target audience. Um, and go full no hooliganism, no vandalism, no bevying. Um, but on this podcast, there'll be no exploration of the impact of European group stage football until it's absolutely yeah. locked down. So- I, I agree, but but I think that comes back to my my, my point that regardless of what happened what happened elsewhere yesterday, as much as what might happen uh, next weekend, the important thing is we take care of our business. And and you'd mentioned last week there was the, there was the alternative reality of. 
it was possible at that time that we could have lost our last two games and still made third. And third place is third place, but squeaking in third place by you know the the skin of your teeth is one thing. I'm glad that regardless of what had happened at Ibrox, I wanted our team. It, we built up to that game. It was clear there were decisions at late in the game at Tynecastle with this game in mind, where the thought was, "This is the match where I'll have my fully fit first choice eleven, and we're gonna we're gonna put some minute in the sword." And that's exactly what happened. And I think that's far more encouraging when you think about the the kind of team and the kind of performances you want to see going forward, regardless of what's going on going on elsewhere. And again we're not naive everyone was aware of what was going on in the background but I, w- I was just far more pleased that when it came to what we we were in control of what we could do we we grasped that by both hands and we we did the job ruthlessly and dominated that game and with regards to Barry Robson uh, Mark Lewis, he said we'd see a different Aberdeen team with those players back and he was absolutely right and over the piece and you know we had our concerns about his performance and the, the performance at Tynecastle, but over the piece from the 14 games that he's been in charge of, and bearing in mind that he took charge after a week which saw us concede 11 goals in two league games and lose to fucking Darville, uh, that's the name now, fucking Darville, um, he's won nine games out of 14, uh, it, it, and he's taken 28 points in those 14 games. We only took... 29 points in the 23 league games before then. So uh, the, the difference is, is, is so stark, so marked. And he has he, he has a team now. He's built a team. And you can see by the way in which they were celebrating together last night, they're all out again tonight. Uh, I, you know, I can certainly think they could have gone to a better restaurant, but that's a different story. Um, you, you have a proper group there who really have bonded under this manager. Well, that's it. I mean, he's not really, he's not, he's not added. It's not like he had a full window to make a heap of wholesale changes and you know, bring in and ship out and make that. But he's, he's, he seems to have galvanised them and they've pulled them together. You know, he's got, you know, they obviously, you know, those, the celebrations at the end of the game, you know, on the pitch, you know, the, obviously some of the, the clips that came out from the, the dressing room as well, you know, that's a group of players that really, you know, really care about each other and want to, you know, want to win for each other. Which you know, there's been Aberdeen teams in the past where you get the feeling that you know, some of them don't give don't give a shit. Hi, Charlie Mulgrew. Yeah, hi, Charlie. Yeah, fuck Charlie Mulgrew. Jesus Christ, I hope they go down. <sighs> They're going to go down, but I really want to see him punished. Does anybody else remember before his last game? I, I was at, I was at the last game of the season in 2010 at St Mirren. I think it was just 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 after a, a reported altercation with some fans in in Union Street. Um, and he was serenaded to the chance of his name is Charlie Mulgrew. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. And as you say, guy, that's more than ten years ago. So yeah, yeah. what 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 a, what a tragedy that he's been exposed. You know, it really Again. is one of those. You know, you, know, you bide your time and you get his see, get see him suffer. Um, really, if it's not thoroughly, thoroughly deserved, an absolute prick of a man who spent six months not trying for us. So fuck him. Um, where was our Richard? <laughs> <laughs> Not a tangent. See, you threw you threw Charlie Mulgrew at me, and I've totally, you've totally, totally made a loop. We're talking about how the team has bonded, Martin. Yes, Andrew they have. And like, like I say, Aberdeen teams in the past, you get the feeling that there are certain guys that don't give a fuck. Whereas this team, they all they all seem to really care. 
they want you no, know, they want to win for each other. And they can, and I suppose maybe that it's different when you can see what's at stake. When you know there's going to be you know there's a lot of them there that are wanting to play European European football next season. So they're obviously going to they're obviously going to care. They're always going to be together. But you know Jim Goodwin didn't have the, have them you know seemingly fighting for each other. But Barry Robson has, in the space of these, you know, the short, the short amount of games he's had, has got this team p- pulling together. They're all point, they're all going in the same direction, and it's an unbelievable change. Um, and you know, you don't want to be like so stupid and say, "Oh, yeah, football management it's easy, isn't it?" It's, it clearly isn't very easy. But what he, what Barry Robson's done is he's clearly got the basics. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to treat people. It's about, I guess, it's about man management. It, yeah, it is a very back to basics approach, and it, it, it almost McInnes led, which really wouldn't be a huge surprise given that he's been a long time working with him. Um, but it is very much back to basics, and I think, you know, you think about things like the the dugout swap that Goodwin tried at the start of the season. You know, oh, yeah. I want to be in the ear of the assistant manager. Robson came in and he immediately changed that. I mean, that idea was a kind of can't see the wood for the trees thinking that's the preserver the sort of guys who buy those management books that you see exclusively in airport bookshops the type of pe- the type of people that would appear on a Jake Humphrey podcast <laughs> a person who reckons that British cycling's improvement uh, was genuinely down to um, getting medics in to teach the cyclist proper hand washing and nothing to do with keeping a few steps ahead of WADA that that kind of thing yeah, uh, it, I mean, yeah. so uh, to see that unceremoniously binned just go back to how it was because there's no point trying to get these marginal, tiny 0.001% gains if you're not actually getting the basics right. No, and it, like you say that, like you know, I don't, I know, I don't know Barry Robson, and I know I've never spent any time in his company, but I would imagine that he's the sort of person that, you know, when the, the even when it was Jim Goodwin who brought in that swap in the dugouts, probably muttered under his breath, "What a load of old shit." I could, I could pretty much guarantee he pretty would have done that. It, it's, it's such a. I mean, it's, it, it, again, it's easy for us to look from the outside inwards and say, yeah, as I say, just get the man management right and just get the coaching right, and it'll all be fine. But it, it's, it's, it's such a virtuous circle when you get a manager that just identifies. Because you were talking earlier about Calarus, and I really wanted to come in relation to that because um, you, you compare and contrast from. Because again, you were talking about some of the, you know, some of the teams where players didn't want to, you know our previous Aberdeen teams where guys didn't seem to want to play for each other and things were falling apart that was that was four months ago you know I mean we don't forget 10 years ago that was four months ago and I think a lot of it was that I think players had got frustrated maybe not with each other but certainly with the manager and being asked to do things which were just hugely out with their comfort zone especially with you know this kind of trying to play it out and pass it out from the back and and I think there's and it, it was probably a fair uh, criticism at the start in the glass aspect as well of trying to run before you can walk, trying to kind of institute these great visions of um, playing out from the back and and again it's not to, it's not to poo poo that as an aspiration, but if you if you haven't if you haven't built the foundation of your team first, then you're achieving nothing. And and, and I only raised it because it was to compare and contrast. I was listening to the radio on the way down to Pataudry and Jim Goodwin was doing his interview um, in the lead up to the United's home game against Kilmarnock. And he was talking about, he was basically first question about why he dropped Bidigiti for the guy, um, Mark, 
Newman. And I think I'm right in saying, was he not, again, taking it full circle, was that not a guy who got called in at really late notice to start for Peterhead in our first game of the season back in the glory days of the League Cup group stages? Um, but he, 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 he brought him in and he was asked why he'd made the decision. And don't get me wrong, Birgit, he's a complete bomb scaring of himself. But the first thing he was talking about when he, when he was asked about it was, you know, he's got good feet, he's, he's comfortable playing the ball out from the back. And I'm thinking, you're, you're playing a fucking relegation decider with two games to go and you're still thinking, oh, well, this, you know, we'll be able to do these progressions from inside our box and see what happened. Um, we, are now, we, are now, we are now set up right from the very outset. We're in the very beginning. Pollock. McDonald, fucking defend, do the basics properly. And it's just enthused throughout the squad. Liam Scales now looks like a guy with the confidence just to go out and, and, and do his job properly. Cal Roos at the back, I think, looks a different goalkeeper because he has the confidence of the, the defenders in front of him. And and that once he's get his confidence, you see, you just see the... I, I, I really don't want to be get too ahead of myself, but you get the echoes of the Theo Schnelder's persona then, you know, like squaring up to Nisbet before he takes his penalty to kind of get in his face. He made a save in the second half where Curtis Main goes through one and one of him, stands up, blocks it, and Main goes down, and Roos doesn't move from the spot and just glares down at him for about 10 seconds, like... What are, why are you even trying to beat me from here? You know, and 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 then in front, someone like Leighton Clarkson, where um, it's we we all speak so highly of like his ability and technical ability, but um, the amount, the work rate, and the commitment to the way he wants to play in this team compared to where it was beforehand is night and day. Um, even though we lost it at Tynecastle, getting back and clearing a shot off of the the line in like eighty five minutes in. Um, you know, you just see it throughout the team that once you've got the basics right and once you've got guys playing for each other, it's a, it's a virtuous cycle and it re- we really have had the benefits from it. I don't know what if we go to you next. Should we, should we talk a little bit more about Leighton Clarkson, uh, Martin? Because you, you said word that he might be here next year. Word that he might be here a little bit longer than just next year. Um, that would be quite audacious, wouldn't it? Martin, the, Martin Ingram, sorry. Yeah, the 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 great situation that we may find ourselves in, and again, sorry, I know, I know, I know, we're saying we're not going to dwell on this, but I'm definitely not taking for granted results a weekend from now. But should should it be that third place guarantees this uh, group stage football, and again, it's worth bearing in mind that's the first time we'll have been in the one of the European competitions proper since the 2007 2008 season. So you know. Um, but that, that with the financial benefits that that would bring to the club, it just puts you in a completely different situation with regards to what what you how you might now try and approach that that off season. Suddenly, players that you might have resigned yourself to having to let go if a if a half decent financial offer comes in, like you know we're talking about someone like Duke with two years in their contract. Now you really can say not only in terms of finances we don't have to sell for a, a very good offer, but not what we want to do. But you can also sell it to the players to say. We've 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 got this opportunity on merit now, and if you want to, you can see. Although I mean, Hearts last season did abysmally in terms of the actual European competition. The the quality of the opposition that they were able to play was fantastic, and and um, so I think it's not it's not just good in the financial sense of you know we can not only hold on to the players we already have, but we can potentially speculate to maybe not necessarily accumulate in the stage, but speculate in order to hold on to some really good talent. So if if it was at all possible, and there was talk about it, it sounds more realistic with scales than it does with Clarkson, but 
at least that now puts it in, in that's now a conversation now with regards to you know is there an opportunity for him to stay at least you know continue his loan for a longer period but potentially you know stay on for a longer term basis and and it has to be the aspiration of the club to try and hold on to these guys and try and build on the success because um if not now when i mean this is exactly the opportunity where <clears throat> you want to try and build on that success and try and build a core of players that 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 are genuinely excellent football players and you know the commitment that they've been shown by some of these guys now has been I mean, I'm thinking about Clarkson specifically here, but, you know, guys like Matty Pollock, I mean, they've been second to none, not only in their ability, but their attitude. So I, I, I hope there's an opportunity for that to happen, but um, I'll take... We, we've, 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 been, we've been burned in the past by um, Jurgen Klopp suddenly uh, <laughs> wrenching successful loan prospects away from us at the 11th hour. So, I'll, again, I'll take nothing for granted in that front as well, but if, he, if we could hold on to him in any way or capacity, um, all the better. And then full time, Martin. Great celebrations, great, great sights, great sounds. Um, and again, a real togetherness shown between the players, between the players and the support. Um, and you know, my personal highlight is probably Matty Pollock coming out of the uh, <laughs> out of the changing rooms fifty minutes uh, later. With I, I couldn't quite work out who it was. Uh, I'll be honest, was it John Scales? But Matty Pollock anyway coming down, coming back out on to lead the red shed in a rendition of Hearts Are Falling Apart Again. Just magnificent. Uh, and social media last night was an absolute joy. Um, yeah. It just kept that buzz from being at the game going for, for hours afterwards. Yeah, you've done it again, Richard. It definitely wasn't John Scales that came out the changing room with him. I think it was McCrory, <laughs> wasn't it? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I couldn't really see. I think I thought I thought it was McCrory, but it might have been Scales. I'm not 100 percent sure. He's got you but doubting yeah. yourself now. But it's just that you know that, that, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. You know, like guys that have guys that have bought in, you know, that believe in. No, he's no, he's not. He's not our player, but he's bought in. The atmosphere's won him over. The excitement's won him over. You know. If he does, if we if we can't, <clears throat> excuse me, if we can't have him, you know, playing for the club next season, you know, he's left us with you know an amazing gift that he's contributed us to get to potentially getting the group group stage European football, um, and you know the, the that the, that kind of atmosphere at the end of the end of the game where, you know, everybody's everybody's on their feet, the, the place is you know so loud, everybody's you know going crazy. Just because of what we've what we've achieved, and you you just you, know, you just love to see that. You no, know, just when Petodri's like that, there is no better place in the world. Rather foolishly, uh, because clearly we, we did have enough to talk about anyway. But uh, we I asked um, <laughs> you lot for some questions. Um, we'll run through some of those. Firstly, how many hours sleep did everyone get last night? Uh, was, or was it just me, uh, Martin Ingram, that uh, couldn't get to sleep until about two a.m. Because the adrenaline. Very, very little. I, mean, I, I think I fired a tweet out at half past one in the mornings, uh, uh, voicing a similar view. I don't think anyone's going to be getting a lot of sleep. I, I, I think, I think, conversely, a lot of people will probably probably end up getting a lot of involuntary sleep during the day today with maybe in, in, impromptu and unintentional afternoon snap as uh, snoozes or naps came came upon upon people. But uh, yeah, I mean, I know it sounds daft and that we knew we knew that if we won and especially if results went our way secured in third place it was going to be a special night but i wasn't even prepared for just how special that felt on on 
on the night and I, I, I think that that is those kind of it's, it's, it's those fantastic feelings where you know you, you you go away from the ground with a real lift in your step I mean it was there was heaps of supporters there most people stayed on after the game to see the fans off I know a lot of people that I I, I came out, out obviously from the south stand so I was head, head, headed straight up Merkel Road afterwards but I heard a lot of people that made their way past the main stand on their way back and were talking about just how great it sounded from the dressing room as they went past and we've obviously seen a lot of the social media out from the club afterwards it just you know it's fantastic that the players really seem to feel the same as uh, the support do um so yeah got got back um didn't couldn't 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 settle down when I got home fortunately sports scene rolled around pretty quickly after I got back home watched that Still didn't feel like going to bed. Uh, cracked open the, the the club branded Loch Lomond whiskey that I bought ages ago and thought I hadn't really bought it for any particular occasion at all, but thought it it felt right. So I had a had a swally from that. Um, still didn't feel like going to bed. Eventually forced myself to go to bed because I'd work in the morning. And again, I think I had a similar experience to other people. Maybe you 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 lie in bed for about five ten minutes no sign of sleep coming, get Twitter out again, smile at all the social media content, scroll through for another few minutes, put it down, try and sleep for another five, ten minutes, get get your phone out, scroll through Twitter again, <laughs> smile incandescently to yourself. And um, But yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take very little sleep for the experience. And of course, right now, the achievement is really just finishing third. That, that, Right now is it, but to have done that, Martin Clunas, after being 10 points behind, and let's, I, I suppose, be honest, who we've done it to in the way in which they've capitulated in a manner which is basically intrinsic to Hart's DNA is beautiful in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Look, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't enjoy it as much if it was, say, against Hibs or Dundee United or Motherwell. I probably no, there, I might might enjoy it maybe just one percent slightly less. But it being Hearts, you know, the the arrogance that's came from them last season, of course. You no, know, last season, of course, they you know they ran out, they ran away with 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 third. Uh, you know, they had their they had their European fun. You know. The, all the boasting and everything this season about you know where they're going, hearing about their you no know, half a million season ticket holder waiting list, all this stuff that we've put up with all season. I know how many fucking Hearts fans are in the media as well. There's there seem to be everywhere, particularly social media as well. It's like these Hearts fans have cropped up out of nowhere with these opinions, just crowing and boasting guys that you've never heard of before. And are suddenly, they're suddenly, oh, I've been going to Tyne Castle, Magranda, to all this bullshit. And it's so good to just shut them up. You know, guys like you and Cameron, you know, obviously, Who? obviously the golf correspondent that you know doesn't like being, them being called the Diet Huns. Um, you know, all lovely, lovely to have shut him up as well. You know, half of the terrorist guys, brilliant to see them. You know, not make barely make an appearance on social media today after all their bullshit at the weekend. Lovely, lovely stuff, and it happened in the hearts, as you say, Richard. It is in that club's DNA. They are they are one of the biggest bottlers that that, that this country has. A proper yo-yo club, and it is so so satisfying. Yeah, I mean that's now ten out of the last eleven seasons where Aberdeen have finished above Hearts in the league, and 
well, quite honestly, with 20 years before that, Hearts were putting a team in the park that they couldn't afford to. So who can count those years? Um, going back to some of the questions we got in, Martin Ingram, I'm going to leave the kebab pie one for uh, for a little bit later. Um, despite last night's fun, this question goes, the season has probably been a failure overall. Um, first of all, would you agree with that and the second part to that I guess what would constitute success and I guess as much as we are lauding the turnaround and this will be remembered for doing that and hopefully the springboard into Europe this is also going to have to be remembered as the Darville season sorry the fucking Darville season I think the only fair way to assess that is you've got to judge it as essentially two different seasons there was a season that we had up to the point that Jim Goodwin was sacked and then there's a season that we had after Barry Robson came in to tow because and although it's tough I mean is third place a failure I think if you if you take that if you take that position you are potentially setting yourself up for decades and decades of sadness because um I was having a look in relation to even even with the turnaround and form that we've had under Barry Robson so I think you were alluding to that before so I think it works out to be we've, we've had 28 points over 14 games so two points a game um that still doesn't get us within double digits of Rangers in second place um it is it is a massive task again to kick on from being so you know take one thing at a time I don't think as as much as we would have slated hearts for saying you know they get they get third place once and then all of a sudden they welcome the chase um I don't think we should take it for granted that you know this is where we should be third is what is is certainly what we should be aspiring to it shouldn't be the limit of our aspirations but it's definitely where we should be um but I think first and foremost is to solidify that position and make it that it's not the kind of thing where we're having to scrap and claw away from nine, ten points behind in order to get there. We, I think we should be looking to really establish ourselves as clearly the third best team. What then happens after that really depends on, I, th- I think at that point then, the success to me of being in this position is opening that access to European football and opening the possibility of being able to bring additional income in and being able to build on that success. And I think that's what I would view as success is to, if you can if you can solidify that at worst, and I think the other aspects, I think I did see that tweet, the other aspect I would agree with is um, the league is one thing, it's, it's another season where we've fallen short, and again, you'd obviously the Darvel, the Darvel thing, it's hard to call any season a success where you've been knocked out of the Scottish Cup by a six-year football team. That is going to carry with us for the rest of our lives as Aberdeen supporters. It will always be, whenever you get into these conversations, you know the kind of things that would always get thrown back at you in a conversation. That's going to be one of them. We'll have to live with that. Um, but looking at it another way, there needs to be tangible success in that we get silverware into a cabinet I think that is imminently realistic I think it shouldn't be taken there was such a relief that we finally got over the line in an absolutely terrible football game at Park Red but the the important thing at that point and the same as how we feel right now forget forget how we got there We, we, we got what we needed to get the silverware back then third place right now that is now it's now going to be because obviously we're we're nine years out, but you, we don't have an opportunity to win a cup until next year. So that's now ten years again since since we'll have last won silverware. 
um, it's really important that we start making a much bigger impact in the cup competitions and, and try because again for all that was that I think that ended up being the real frustration once he got into the, the second half of McInnes's tenure. Second place, third place is absolutely fine, but we still weren't making European group stages, and you still there still wasn't another follow up on that League Cup success. I think that's what the target's going to have to be going forward. Yeah, realistically, you know, you look at how many wins Robson has had, and you're still coming in at two points a game, seventy six points over a season, which is as much as we got in twenty sixteen seventeen. But again, in the eighties, that probably would have been enough to win your title, but now. Those two at the top, they're beating everybody. They've got the resources to brush everybody else aside. So, you know, unless you are capable of really, really pushing that points target up, even another 10 points, I I don't think the league's achievable. Certainly what we should be looking to do with regards to the league is, as Martin says, solidify, try and increase that points total over the whole season. And it does have to come down to the cup. It's cups. And when you talk about success, it is only winning things. But there can still be achievements along the way. And I think third is an achievement. It obviously becomes a much bigger achievement if it comes with the big financial award. And not just financial award, because a lot of the a lot of the thing about Europe is not about fans getting excited about the balance sheet. It's about fans getting excited about the possibility of four decent European aways that they can plan for at times of the year that they're given more in two weeks notice to book a flight in high summer for. It's about the opportunity to, to look at the list and say, blimey, we could get Juventus in the, in the Conference League. You know, we could be playing Juventus. It's about having that opportunity to get excited. You know, Hearts got absolutely thumped by Fiorentina, but Christ, they got, they got a couple of days away in Fiorentina watching their team with their mates. And as anyone who's been to a European away knows, that that's a great feeling, you know, win or lose. Amplified many times over if your team actually does the business, of course. But it's still, it's it's a reward for the support, really, isn't it, uh, Martin Clunas? It's, it's, you go through the terrible, forgettable nil-nils against Ross County so that you can have moments like that following your team in Europe. It is. That's, that, that, like you said, that's, that's, the, that's the reward for, for, for us, you know, you know, all the, you know, whether you're sitting freezing cold in you know, the end of, end of December, early January, you know, freezing, your, freezing your balls off, as we know, we have a, a game where we maybe have one shot on target all game or something like that. But that's what is you know, and you know, not having not having European football last season you know, was really tough, you know. So now that we're gonna, now that we are going to have it this season, it's there. there there's no, it's a reward there. It's going to be, you no, know, we're going to enjoy it. I'm sure, um, you know, and as you say, you know, if everything goes the way we would like it to go, you no, know, in, no, in, you're in September. You're looking at, you could be looking at these list of fixtures, getting away, you know, to some far flung. No stadium, you know, maybe in Eastern Europe or something like that, or dare we say Turin, if that happens, something like that. Um, but that's that's the enjoyment. No, that's what you know. That's the be- the benefits of supporting a club like Aberdeen. You know, European football, as you no know, as we know, forty years on from the anniversary of it, European football is you know is in the DNA of the club, much like bottling is in the DNA of Hearts. Um, you know, it's it's what Aberdeen Aberdeen do. We know we qualify for Europe, um, and. We don't, we've done it yet again. And just coming back to your original question, Richard, with is if the, if 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 that guy is posting the question of whether 
where we've ended up as a failure for the season. Um, I'd much rather be celebrating our 40th anniversary of a special event this way than the way another 40th anniversary has turned out for <laughs> a very local club. I, I'm making an executive decision on the kebab pie question because, frankly, <laughs> kebab pies are an offence against God and nature. And um, the, the sooner that the, the pie contract is uh, subcontracted out to the bread guys who, who far and away make the best pies in Aberdeen, and if you haven't tried some, go and, go and get some, uh, the true successor to the cults of uh, Kelly of Cult steak pie lies there. Um, then the pies at Pataudry are going to continue to be substandard, no matter their um, fancy offspring. Um, they get promoted every now and again. I mean, seriously, a kebab pie, come on. Um, <laughs> Richard, when we started doing this podcast in 2015, I think it was like four or five weeks in that there was complaints about the food at Pataudry, and we, did, we, did, we, we actually did a bit on it. And I cannot believe that eight years later, we are still talking about the fucking food at Pataudry. <laughs> I used to miss the days where if anyone's ever had the, if anyone's taken the opportunity of having like their, their, their Christmas parties at Pataudry, um, the, the, the pleasure of going for a Friday night and getting like your uh, turkey and stuffing and all your works and then being able to come back in on a Saturday and, and, and it would be the festive pie special. <laughs> <laughs> Which you knew fine well is what you left over in your plate from the night before. I do, miss those days. Do they still do the stovies in the main stand? That's the only question I need. I need answered, quite frankly. So if someone can tell me that, then that would be grand. Um, your questions, a lot of them were about shaping the score for next season. Um, understandably, we're going to hold off on that conversation until probably the next podcast, which will be after the official end of the season. Um, and that probably gives us a better time and platform to look at the work that needs to be done, which is which is still going to be extensive. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe there might be one or two names that we were resigned to losing who, who might be sticking around. Um, but we'll wait and see how that goes. Okay, um, to Saturday then. Parkhead, beach balls and sombreros in the stand. Uh, while on the pitch, it'll be slippers on feet to avoid injuring any Celtic players ahead of the cup final. And uh, cigars out. Um, Celtic have clearly had a their mind on other things, shall we say, over the past few games. Because, um, I mean, any team that loses four to Pibs at Easter Road um, is, is clearly not fully focused. Now, we do need Celtic to win this cup final. And based on what I saw last night, we probably should actually try and kidnap Scott Bain from Parkhead, uh, from the Parkhead area on Saturday and hold him hostage for the next eight days just to stop any sort of madness happening whereby he actually starts against Cali Thistle the following week. But the game itself, Martin Clunas, so delighted that I really don't have to care about this. Oh, I know. Just um, it's you know, kind of one of those kind of very much for for us anyway. It's kind of after the Lord Mayor's show, isn't it? Um, you know, obviously they're going to get the trophy and all that kind of stuff, and you know they'll have. Um, I'm sure they'll be, you know, as you say, they'll be taking it. They'll be taking it easy. Um, I, I doubt that. You know, I doubt that when any of our players are going to be launching in, a, you know, at launching in a few, you know, seventy thirties to kind of do it. I, I could be wrong. I mean, Shinny might, Shinny might want to send a message to um, Callum McGregor or something. I don't really know, but I would imagine. Um, I'm not going. I doubt it would be exactly quite quite testimonial stuff, but um, I expect that it's going to be um, a little more relaxed than it would have been had we needed anything. Um, still, it's a competitive game of football. We want to win it. We want to get as many points as we can. 
um, create a gap, no, a, a bigger gap to to hearts in the in the table. But um, yeah, I'm I'm glad that I don't have to spend uh, I, I know spend a Saturday fretting over um, us getting something at Parkhead again. Yeah, undeniably, you still want your team to win. Seven point gap to Hearts would be very pleasing, um, especially if Hearts lose the bold men fighting over a comb derby and finish fifth. Um, I'm just, to be honest, if we'd won at Tynecastle, I, I would have almost been up for throwing that Samoan game to keep alive the chance of Hearts finishing sixth on the table. But um, yeah, let's let's just go there. Let's not. Do anything stupid. Let's not get any injuries. Let's probably not injure any of them. Um, it's it's just it's a slightly odd one, isn't it, Martin? It, it's it's a dead rubber, but team's still on the high. Unlike a lot of dead rubbers from past seasons, where we've been stuck in the bottom six, and uh, it's really ended on a really sour note. Uh, this will be a bit of a bit of a celebration, I, I expect, for the away support that's there, and clearly the home support will be in a good mood as well. Yeah, I know you didn't want to talk about uh, potentially how we might want to shape the squad for the for next season, but I think for this season, let's just see if we can get incredibly short-term contracts, getting Fernando Pasquinelli, David Zidulic, just see what happens. I don't really care one iota how the game turns out on Saturday now. I'm just absolutely, like you, absolutely delighted that, it, that in terms of our ultimate destiny, it, it will not matter a jot. But it's against those kind of games, we obviously, again, there's... Um, there's a, there's a case of putting a professional performance in, but there's also an opportunity. We saw that a few seasons ago where we got Celtic at Parkhead last day of the season, and it's, a, it's an opportunity to be able to, you know, go go and get a result. I mean, Celtic are clearly their their focus and the league campaigns obviously gone weeks yeah. ago, and um, you know, a win at Parkhead is a win at Parkhead. I of think course. it's a good opportunity for a lot of our players to be able to get something like that under their belt. So my 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 hope is more that some of the players around about the periphery of the squad who who are realist who could realistically part of things going forward get more out of it or now it would be good if do you want to see Al- some of the yeah i was going to say yeah, some Al-Di of the young players connor bannon gets a bit more game time maybe even bring in i mean i don't want to go over the top in relation to that because you still want i mean you, you know it can be counterproductive as you know you can just put the youth team out and they can get yeah well jack mckenzie so. presumably will come in for scales you would think yeah yeah, I, I would have thought. I would have thought. I'd have thought. So, especially given that's an enforced change anyway. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to maybe see. I, again, I spoke a number of podcasts ago about um, some of the some of the more promising players coming out in the youth system, and it would be it'd be nice if the likes of a, a Blair McKenzie, a Finlay Marshall, a, a Dylan Lobin appeared on the bench, and maybe we've got, yeah. we've got some game time. I'll, I'm going along to if the game's still going ahead, but I think we've got Dundee United at Cormac Park tomorrow afternoon. I'll okay. keep a keen eye out on who exactly is even there yeah. and playing because I think that'll be quite indicative in relation to who's going to get to go and make the trip given it's a, an early Saturday Yeah, start, you think so. Blair McKenzie must be in with a decent chance. New contract this um, this last week and um, clearly a first team contract as well because we've been told what his contract expiry is which they don't tend <laughs> to do for, for yeah. those who are signing up to play the um, 19s again. So, um, yeah, you would think that he's kind of the next cab off the rank and clearly we will be a defender short with Liam Scales said it right there, lads. Um, for the last time, I said it right. Um, with Liam Scales on in the stands. So that'll be Saturday. Uh, that game is actually pointlessly live on Sky Sports, as opposed to them bothering to pick any of the um, relegation deciders in the bottom six, because, you know, why would they care about the rest of the league? Um, but at least it gives us uh, non-travelling dandies an opportunity to 
to see the side in action without having to uh, shell out for PPVs or watch dodgy streams, those of us who have Sky or those of us who just want to nip along to the pub to watch that one. So that's available 12.30 on Saturday and that will be the season over. A season really like no other um, for a few reasons. Obviously it had a World Cup in the middle of it, um, but from a Don's perspective, uh, a really schizophrenic um, effort. Uh, first half of the season, which I guess to give Goodwin his due, when we went into that World Cup split, uh, Martin Clunas, we were in third and there were positives to be had. It, you know, I, I, I'm not subscribing to the view that it was one bad week, which Jim Goodwin appears to do. But in terms of where we've ended up, there's a he had a part to play in that, yes or no? He did have a part to play, but I think he'd the squad. Obviously, there was there was gaps in the squad that we weren't that we weren't doing well enough. I think some of the games, some of the games that we'd won, um, you know, we'd you know disp- we'd kind of scrape scrape by some teams. You know, we'd got, got advantages yeah. from yellow from red cards. Uh, I'm just doing that in there because, of course, last night's interview, Jim Goodwin was giving it, oh, the three Dundee United managers have to take their share of the blame. And I think, oh, hang on, Jim, are you wanting some of the credit for getting into Europe, basically? <laughs> That's great. I mean, he can, he can, he can do that because, um, you no, know, Liam Fox is currently, you know, the, he, got, he got Liam Fox getting the bin from Dundee United and suddenly he's going to be jollying around Europe with us, you know, um, in, a, you know with, in his shorts and needing his suntan lotion. So brilliant for him, so, you know. Um, so no, Liam Fox can get all the Liam Fox can take all Jim Goodwin's credit for us getting into Europe, and he can take all Liam Fox's credit for relegating Dundee United. It's only fair that they share it around and swap it over, isn't it? I'm glad we've been able to be snide about Goodwin uh, right to the death. No, <laughs> oh, I mean by the end, honestly, as I've said before, that was on the the chairman and the directors for leaving him in situ, and um, <laughs> we actually talked about this um, off pod last week but if it had come down to goal difference and uh, effectively it had been that 6-0 at Hibs that was the decider I don't think anyone would have been particularly pleased about that uh, that outcome when a change was so transparently and so obviously needed but as in the best fairy tales it all worked out happily ever after in the end for Aberdeen and the season indeed ends on Saturday we'll be back with you after that match to round up the loose ends of the season, see where we are or where we might be uh, with regards to uh, the squad building, come then and um, talk about whatever comes out of the game, I suppose. So, my thanks tonight for the very pleasurable experience looking back at uh, last night's really, really rather great evening at Pataudry. Uh, my thanks to Martin Ingram. Thank you for having me on again. And to Martin Clunas. Delighted, Richard. Delighted. <laughs> All right, for the penultimate time in season 22 23. Thanks for listening, and come on, you Reds. <laughs> <laughs>